All good things come from you, Father. And with gratitude, we give back to you what is yours, Lord. We just thank you for these gifts, and we just thank you that they will be used for the extension of your kingdom. And we ask that much fruit will be born from them. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, earlier in the service, I read two verses, verses 26 and 27 from Romans chapter 8. Two wonderful and intriguing verses. But chapter, chapter 8 in its entirety is arguably one of the best, but best chapters in the whole of Scripture, providing a concise overview of the Christian faith, moving from no condemnation in verse 1 through to no separation in verse 39. The Apostle Paul provides us with superlative reassurances throughout. When Christoph asked me to speak this evening, he, he, kindly, he kindly told me that I had liberty, albeit with his final say-so, to speak in any theme or passage from the Bible that I so desired. I'm never sure if that is a good or a bad thing. Perhaps the easiest thing for me to do would have been to recycle something I'd spoken on before, but yet that's not what I was compelled to do. The reason I'm drawn to speak in these two verses is that I've read them, digested them, and in all reality only grown to fully understand them through experience over the past few weeks. The amazing thing about God and his book is that we will never stop learning or being amazed by what he has to say to us. You may ask how and why are these verses so real to me now? Well, as the majority of you probably know by now, my mother Maureen died a couple of weeks ago on the 4th of August. This was a bittersweet moment because for two plus years she had battled against ovarian cancer in which she endured a lot of pain and suffering. But this was brought to an end when the Lord called her home. The last seven hours of her life on this earth were particularly difficult and it was a hard experience and it's certainly one that has left an indelible mark in my own life. Yet when Maureen was eventually beckoned home, it was very sweet in the sense that she is now free from illness, pain and suffering made perfect at home with God, the very place where we long to be in heaven. In contrast, it was a very bitter moment because I now have a void in my life, albeit a temporal one, that in human terms is irreplaceable. I know that many of you will have experienced similar suffering and the same sense of loss. And sadly, it is something that we will probably all have to deal with at some stage. I commenced my placement here in Kirkpatrick on Monday the 18th of June, and my mum entered the hospital the previous Friday. She did manage to leave the Ulster Hospital, but only for the more comfortable surroundings of the Marie Curie Centre. I will openly admit that those eight weeks my mum was in care was undoubtedly the toughest time of my life. To watch a loved one physically deteriorate before my own eyes was very difficult. Only at the start of the year, my mum had finished her second course of chemotherapy. And as a family, we rejoiced to the Lord as her cancer blood level readings improved. And they sat within sort of a, an acceptable range as determined by the oncologists. But many weeks later, we would come to understand that those weeks of healing and blessing were only temporal but still very special. Subjectively, I've shared with you just how difficult a time it was for me, but I will never be able to imagine the turmoil my mother went through. 
I witnessed the physical pain, yet the emotional and spiritually it must have been so, so hard for her. She had no apparent fear of death, and rightly so, as it shouldn't hold any fear for the Christian. However, on a number of occasions, she did state that she would be grateful to the Lord if she could have a couple of more years with her family. It was a real privilege for me to read the Bible and pray with her on a daily basis. When we prayed, we always asked the Lord to put his healing hand upon her, fully acknowledging his power to do so. Yet I will readily admit that at times, particularly in my own private devotion, it was so hard to know what to pray for. While there was breath in her body, it was very hard to pray for anything other than physical healing. We all know that the Lord can heal instantly if that is his will. That is undisputable. Yet as the weeks rolled on and my mum became increasingly physically weaker, it became harder for me to know what to pray for. It certainly wasn't that I stopped praying, far from it, but I struggled to know what, what to ask for as her health dipped, then at times seemingly improved. What I did acknowledge at all times, though, is that the Lord is sovereign and that his will will be done. But I didn't know if it was his will to heal her or to take her home. And with this roller coaster of a disease, it didn't appear to make much sense at times. But for me, it was comforting and important to know that the Spirit of God knew my weakness, my deficiency, and interceded on my behalf. Perhaps consciously for the first time in my life, verses 26 and 27 of Romans 8 became real for me. The reality of these words spoke into my life. And it was very humbling. Hopefully this background will help you understand why I've chosen to speak on these two verses. In light of verses 26 and 27, I want to briefly share five things with you. Firstly, I'm not afraid to admit it, but prayer is not easy at times. I'll say it again, prayer is not easy at times. Apart from making the necessary time for it, within our busy lives where work and family take up so much of our time, we often find that prayer can simply be a struggle. Maybe a case that our hearts are cold. Sometimes our thoughts constantly stray to those things, other things that occupy our minds. But whatever our struggle, the result is generally the same. Our words descend into incoherent mumblings, after which the dreaded silence kicks in. As the renowned 19th century Scottish Presbyterian minister Robert Murray McShane, himself a great man of prayer, stated, if you want to humble a Christian, just ask them about their prayer life. I'm sure that there will be some of us gathered here this evening who are willing to acknowledge that we need constant help in this vital area of our relationship with God. We've just come off the back of a, a preaching series on the Lord's Prayer, 59 wor Words That Changed the World. And if you cast your minds back a few weeks, you will remember that it was Jesus' disciples who asked him how they should pray. Yet it was the same disciples who fell asleep despite Jesus asking them to engage in watchful prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. Just like Jesus' first disciples, we too have the same desire to pray properly, but can identify with their struggle to pray. There will exist those times in our lives when we will face difficult dilemmas. It may relate to the welfare of a family member or our health or employment. Whatever the dilemma is, we will weigh up the op options carefully in dealing with it. 
inevitably we will endeavour to think clearly, rationally and coherently. We will make a mental note of the pluses and minuses involved with our decision making. Does the, effect, does the decision affect others? Realising that what we may want may be not what other people want. But more importantly, what we may want is not what God wants. We can all probably relate to the difficulty and confusion in decision making. And therefore we can relate to the difficulty that it creates for us in our prayer with God. The do we, don't we have, don't we problem. We wonder if we are praying with an open mind or are we weighing up the options accurately? Are we forgetting an important piece of the jigsaw? Or even the most important question of all, the most obvious one, what exactly should we pray for? Yes, prayer can be difficult, but the great thing is that in our weakness, we have help. We are told the answer in verse 26, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. God hasn't left us to fend for ourselves we have the Spirit's assistance in prayer. So this logically moves us on to our second point, weakness in prayer. Prayer uncovers the depths of our weakness. The very fact that we pray is an admission of our own weakness. We pray because only God is capable of fulfilling our needs. Not only are we unable to bring about what we ask for, we are not capable of asking for the right things by our own strength. We do not know what we ought to pray for. We're unable to express our thoughts coherently. We end up speaking nonsense. It is interesting that the Apostle Paul, with all his theological intellect and wisdom, knew weakness in prayer. Paul writes to the Romans stating that the Spirit helps us in our weakness. He doesn't exclude himself. Paul is human. He isn't on some higher spiritual plane. He too had dilemmas and clearly didn't know what to pray for, but it was the Spirit himself who interceded with groans that words cannot express. So fourthly, as we've already covered, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. The Spirit helps us in prayer. The Spirit helps us by praying for us and with us. When all we can do is groan, most likely because of frustration and emotion, the Spirit takes over from us. The Holy Spirit takes our groanings and makes them intelligible to God. As Packer stated, it is the Holy Spirit who fixes our prayers on the way up. Prayers that are badly expressed or groaned by us are given divine eloquence by the Holy Spirit. So it's comforting to know that the Holy Spirit, Jesus' personal representative, draws alongside us and helps us with our deficiency in prayer. Our fifth and our final point is our reliance on God in prayer. In verse 20 of Jude, we are told to pray in the Holy Spirit. We are not told to pray in our own strength. Praying in the Holy Spirit re requires reliance upon God. Knowing that if we ask anything according to God's will, he hears us. We pray with faith, but can we know with certainty God's will? Well, Paul points out, Paul's point in verse 27 of Romans 8 is that it is not necessary for us to be certain. The Spirit knows the will of God. His presence with us provides us with the reassurance that no matter how confused we may be, the Holy Spirit will overrule us. With the Holy Spirit's help, 
our prayers reach the Father in perfect form. The Holy Spirit's, like Jesus' intercessions, are always heard and answered. The Spirit helps us when we are in need. The Spirit prays with us. The Spirit's prayers are perfect because he knows the mind of God. God can never and will never turn down a request from the Holy Spirit. So in conclusion, hopefully we can see that no matter how mixed up or upset we are, we have a loving and a great God who never leaves us to fend for ourselves. When we don't know what to pray for, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us in accordance with God's will. So God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are all involved in prayer, and we don't do it on our own. Let's pray. O God, the author and foundation of hope, enable us to rely with confident expectation on your promises, knowing that the trials and hindrances of the present time are not worthy of the glory that will be revealed. We thank you that when we have dilemmas, you never leave us nor forsake us. Likewise, when we struggle to pray and know your will, we thank you that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us, making our humble utterings perfect in your sight. Lord, we ask that we may know your loving presence closely as we go out into the world this week. In Jesus' name, amen.